we've got a good record of working with the community, and we are uh, coming together more and more, I think, as the years uh, come on. And I think that you're going to continue to see a crime drop here in Richmond County, and it's a great place to come and enjoy a lot of the activities they have going on all over the county, not just downtown. Welcome to Drop the Disc. Thank you so much for joining us today. We have a civically minded episode for you today with Deputy Chief Patrick Clayton of the Richmond County Sheriff's Office. And all of my brothers, I come from a family of seven boys and I, all of us, I think, except for only one didn't go in the military. We asked Patrick to set the record straight about the crime numbers in the area, specifically relating to downtown Augusta. And, and you have a third chance, third less chance of being a victim of a violent crime in Augusta today than you had um, in almost 10, going on 10 years ago. And we talk about some highlight cases from his career in the area. And it wasn't very often, but every once in a while you'd be working a case, we say, you know what, everybody couldn't have done that. Thank you for taking the time to join us today for the Drop the Disc podcast. We appreciate the support and the support for Augusta. If you enjoyed today's show, leave us a rating or review wherever you listen. We really appreciate that and it helps us to grow. And finally, thank you to Nancy Powell of Powell & Associates. She's the presenting sponsor of this program all year long, 24-7, 365. She helps make Drop the Disc possible. Nancy, we appreciate it. And if you guys are looking into this crazy real estate market right now, Powell & Associates is a great place to start. Check out their website at Powell Property Pros and connect with Nancy's podcast, Broker Bites, available wherever you listen to this show. It's just another day on the road to be great. Got a list full of goals and so much on my plate. Another episode of my life to the date, yeah. And I'ma do it all with a smile on my face. In the land of the free, yeah, the home of the brave. The only way you grow is if you learn from mistakes. And never stop the hustle, gotta keep up the pace. I ain't got time to waste, I got moves I'ma make, yeah. It doesn't matter what the topic is. We gon' talk about it on Drop the Disc. We can dive in on city politics. Or I can brag about my accomplishments If you hating on the city, it is not a fin Problem is that you're probably lacking common sense Augusta got so much talent that'll make it big And you gon' see in here first, don't drop the disc Ay. Learn a lot about the 706 About to chop it up with David and Chris A lot of interviews you would hate to miss AUG in the mix, just drop the disc uh. Learn a lot about the 706 to chop it up with David and Chris A lot of interviews you would hate to miss AG in the mix, just drop the disc Just drop the disc And make sure you check out C-Lark wherever you listen to music That's C.L-A-R-K Awesome local musician We love what he did for this intro song Hey guys, I'm Chris Hey guys, I'm David We're Drop the Disc Podcast It's been a, It's been a hot minute been a hot minute because of master's week prep for uh, bobby jones invitational but we're back in the studio ready to interview somebody else that's right and today we are here with i'm patrick clayton i'm the chief deputy with richmond county sheriff's office i'm the uh, again a chief deputy over operations which means i'm over the road patrol and cid which is kind of the people that y'all see every day out on the streets and out in the field Okay. And you can just leave the get out of jail passes on the table when you leave. <laughs> you don't have to say anything. We appreciate it. 
Um, thanks for being here with us, yeah. Patrick. Uh, we're going to take this into, or I, I should say, Chief Deputy Clayton. Um, Patrick is fine. Thank you. <laughs> well, we, we're going to kind of take this in two directions. The first direction is we're going to talk about you, and mm-hmm. then we're going to talk about Augusta. And so the way that we always start our show is we want to start with, you know, where were you born? Are you from Augusta? Um, well, I was actually, I'm a Navy brat, and I was born in Norfolk, Virginia. Okay. Um, but I moved to the uh, Charleston area when I was 10 months old, and I spent all of my formative years in the, the Charleston, South Carolina area, except for a short stint after my dad came back from Vietnam in uh, Texas, just for a couple of years. What age were you when you moved to Augusta? Um, well, I was actually, uh, by that time, I was uh, 30, I was 29. Fully adult, so we're not quite right. there yet. Yeah. Right. So what... What was your, where should we move first? I mean, you were in Charleston. Where was the next step after Charleston? Well, after, um, after high school, I went to, into the Air Force. Okay. And I spent um, six years in the Air Force. I was in um, Albuquerque, New Mexico. Um, I was uh, in the Air Force Police mm-hmm. in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Uh, then I cross-trained from there and w- went to a thing called the Air Force Office of Special Investigations, which is sort of like NCIS except Air Force. And they transferred me out to... Goldsboro, North Carolina, and then I spent about uh, uh, two or three years there, and then I went back home to Charleston, South Carolina, where I'm from, and I I was on Charleston County Police for a couple of years, and then I left there, and I went to St. Louis, Missouri. I was with NCIS um, for about two years, and then I went to the, the Drug Enforcement Administration, and the Drug Enforcement Administration transferred me to Savannah, and that's how I wound up here in Augusta. So even though you have some twists and turns, you kind of do have this very kind of straight path where it seems like from the beginning, military, public service, that's what you wanted to do? Yeah. Um, yes, um, I, was, um, I was, and it was funny, the other day I was uh, going through some pictures. My dad passed away a couple of years ago, and, I, and me and my twin brother were going through all the pictures, and I found a picture of him. Uh, when he was in Vietnam, he was in uh, on patrol boats, the little 31-footers. He was a patrol chief. And then I uh, also saw him sitting on my grandfather's lap. When my grandfather was like 37 or 38, he volunteered to be a CB during World War II. So and, it runs in the family, yeah, needless to say. It was funny because my dad was, uh, my father, my grandfather was in the Cracker Jack uniform, and my dad was in a little... <laughs> Cracker Jack uniform, and then later he was in the Navy, and like looking back on it, he, I didn't realize he kind of did that to us, but he always kind of, um, you know, emphasized, uh, you know, duty, you know, service and sacrifice, mm-hmm. and so I think all of my, and all of my brothers, I come from a family of seven boys, and I, all of us, I think, except for only one didn't go in the military. So, wow. So. Six of us, six of us, seven went into the military. So you're a tough guest because we we like to ask a lot of questions about like your past and your experiences. Are there any interesting kind of stories that you can tell us from that time uh, before you came to Augusta, whether it's from the DEA in Savannah or or any time that you spent in the the military police? Um, yes, I think there's um, uh, all kinds of uh, different <laughs> stories. You mean like stories that help develop you? Sure. Um, Well, I will tell you that um, one of the things I think that really developed me is uh, I got out of high school, and I'm just going to be honest with you, uh, me and my twin brother, all of us in the family graduated high high school except for me and my twin brother. 
And um, <laughs> and my dad didn't even know we weren't going to graduate until a couple of weeks before uh, <laughs> we were supposed to graduate. He's and, waiting um, for the invitation. But um, <laughs> uh, we, um, he and I both wound up going into the. He went into the army, and I went into the air force. And so I would tell you, I was kind of on the, the the pathway or the roadway to nowhere. Mm-hmm. And um, and so then when I got out to Albuquerque, I remember I was there for about nine months, and I was real gung ho when I first came in. But when you're like a brand new airman. Most of the time, you're up on, you're standing on gates, mm-hmm. and, um, and if and what you really want to be doing, you want to be in the patrol car, and we'd have like a six, what's called a six and three cycle, where you work six days on and you were off three days, and you might be lucky to get one one patrol during that cycle where you're actually because you're new, you're actually riding with so somebody. So six days of sitting and standing. Yes, and um, and so I was miserable, and I remember <laughs> my flight chief, a guy named Glenn Myers, came out there and. I was on the, and it was on midnight shifts, and he came out there talking to me, and he said, and he goes, well, I've, I've noticed, Pat, you know, you're kind of, your morale's kind of down and um, all that. And he goes, he, and I go, well, this ain't what I expected, um, Sarge. And um, he goes, he goes, well, what were you expecting? What, what do you think you should be doing? I said, <laughs> I should have, like, your job. And um, he laughed, <laughs> and he chuckled, and he said, he said, well, Pat, I've been, I've been in the Air Force now for 17 years, so. You know, you're a slick sleeve. <laughs> they said, and you're going, you know, and he started developing me. And he, uh, what he would do is we worked three, three swing shifts. We were off 24 hours, then we worked three midnight shifts. And usually it was on the midnight shifts. He was kind of like, he'd come and visit me at least once mm-hmm. or twice. And then he would, but he would always pose questions to me and say, well, what do you really want to do, Pat? And I said, well, I want to be a, I want to become a fed. And he goes, well, um, well, and he most of the time knew the answers, but he wouldn't give them to me. And he'd say, well, well, what do you want to, if you want to be a, what kind of Fed? I said, well, you know, like the DEA or the FBI. And, and he, uh, he said, okay, well, what do you got to do to do that? And he knew. And so I said, I don't know. And he said, well, why don't you find out? And back then we didn't have like the internet. You couldn't Google thing. it. No, you couldn't <laughs> Google it and all that. And he goes, um, so he would, but he would just make suggestions. He would say, well, how are you going to find out? And I said, well, I'm going to, um, I'll go down, you know, I'll go down to the library and I'll go to, you know, and he just, and he did that over a, a couple of years. But what he did do is he taught me really how to be, you know, uh, uh, to set goals to be, um, cause he got me back in school. Mm. I went on and got my associates and my bachelor's degree while I was in and he, he got me back in school. He got me going to other schools and he, and he helped to develop me into a real good airman. And, um, which is, you know, one of the things I try to do now is to kind of pay it forward because I remember what he did for me. And uh, the, you know, point I'm at, getting at is those are the kind of experiences that you remember for the rest of your life. In mm-hmm. fact, uh, he and I, we stayed, um, I left there and went to OSI and went on my way, but uh, we still stayed in contact. And, you know, one, uh, one occasion, probably five years before he passed away, he came to Charleston. I took him around all over Charleston you know, because he was there as a, a tourist. And, uh, and the, you know, it's just, uh, you know. That, cool that's, experience. Yeah. 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 Memorable. Yes. For sure. It was memorable, and you realize he kind of set the set your path for you, helped mm-hmm. to right. get you where you're at. So now let's talk about the path. So you go to Savannah to work in the DEA, mm-hmm. which, by the way, that must be pretty, I don't want to say exciting because that's probably the wrong word to describe law enforcement which is pretty serious, Mm -hmm. but there's a lot going on in Savannah with the ports. Mm -hmm. What was the catalyst to moving from Savannah to Augusta? Well, even when I first came in, um, 
we were, had established kind of a, a, uh, a network of local agencies we were working with. And one of the main agencies we were working with was Richmond County Sheriff's Office. Mm. And so, Why was uh, that? If you don't. Um, well, um, they, like the Richmond County Sheriff's Office, they've always operated a high operational tempo. And, um, and we were, they were doing a lot of drug cases up here. And our whole goal in the, D, the DEA is to go into like a community here you know, like Richmond County, they're ma- mainly focusing on the drug traffickers that are here. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't want to g- just get the drug traffickers that are here. Mm-hmm. We want to get, we want to work it down and we want to work it up. Mm-hmm. And we so wanna, you're working with them to kind of do those tracing Right. Aspects. We want to work, we want to expand the size of the organization. Right. In other words, and we would, we work cases here with Augusta where you get the dr- drug traffickers here. A bunch of the sources would actually be like in Waynesboro at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was like a source area for the, for Augusta. Right. So we would work uh, and get those guys. Then we would roll them over. Then we'd go uh, back then. South Florida was the kind of the fertile ground as far as source, source cities. And we'd work it all the way back there. Wow. Sometimes we'd work it all the way to the, you know, to either Columbia or Mexico. Or um, I, I, I traveled down to Columbia on cases on, um, in the Caribbean. Wow. Um, in Mexico, all over the country where you, you go where the cases take you. So I was going to say you were an international or a national agent, but really you were an international agent. Well, you had to work international cases. Yeah. And, it, you know, not every case is going to become an international case, mm-hmm. but we try to expand it as much as we can. Right. Um, because w- one of the things we do realize is like when you take out, if I go out and I do, let's say that you're a drug dealer and I've, I've got the ability, I've got an informant that can set you up for like a kilo of cocaine. Mm-hmm. And I come and I bust you. That's great. I caught you with a kilo of cocaine. Well, you had that kilo of cocaine. You weren't just going to, you were going to deal it to several other people. Right. You want to sit back and watch it. Right. We Find a network. Yeah. And um, so one of the things that we do, especially in the, when I was with the Drug Enforcement Administration, our narcotics unit does, is we try to target either the um, kind of the organization, mm-hmm. um, like the communications network. Right. Or the financial network. We follow the money mm-hmm. and we try to get all the other people that are involved. And because um, and, that makes a lot more sense. And when you take a case down like that, it has a lot more impact. than just like I told you, I can do a buy bust on you and that's all good and fun. But it doesn't really it's not going to really further our interests. Right. The way you want to. Right. So you've worked with Richmond County. You're working international cases. You moved to Augusta, though. What what was the purpose of that? Well, kind of what happened was um, I had started coming and working up here as soon as I came in in January of '89. Okay, and the uh, the guy that w- is, that retired as a colonel back last summer was uh, Colonel Colonel Partain. He mm-hmm. was in narcotics, and I kind of married up with him. He was an investigator at the time, and we married up and started working in cases together. And then um, he went through the ranks. Uh, up until a lieutenant, and then I kind of stayed here, and I kept on working these different cases. And I was coming up here, TDY at first, where I would travel back and forth mm-hmm. to Savannah. That's what it sounds like. Yeah, I did that for about from um, all the way from uh, January of '89 till the end of '94. Okay, and then I actually moved up here, and then in '90, I guess it was '95 or '96, we actually established a office up here, and then we moved over to the SunTrust Bank. Mm-hmm. building and then I continued to work with them and uh, I continued to do that up until I retired worked a lot of we worked a lot of major cases here um, got a lot of the 
major drug uh, trafficking organizations in Augusta. And that was all DEA? Um, well, no, it wasn't or all. Or was D that GBI? No, it would be like uh, us and our state and local combined partners. Combined efforts. You know, um, kind of combine our forces and work the, you know, we could never do it by ourselves. Right. Um, you know, I've, I've had an opportunity to talk to people that have been here forever, and they have said there's some of the largest stings have happened historically in Augusta, mm -hmm. which is crazy, but it's because we're not close enough, but we're far enough from the port to be secret in Savannah. I mean, mm -hmm. you got ri Savannah River right here. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I remember the most recent one was that tattoo parlor sting. We don't have to go into details about yeah. that, but that was huge. Yes. Huge. Yes, that was, uh, that was, but that was more of a storefront. Right. Um, but it's okay. the same, along the yeah. same lines. Right. And, um, and that's one of the things that you do have to realize in, in law enforcement, especially if you're a federal agency. For example, here in Augusta, we only had two agents here. Mm -hmm. I had four task force officers, which were, you know, officers from other agencies that worked with us. Mm -hmm. Because and, and if you're working a drug case, you got to have a lot more than even like um, four to six people. Yeah, for sure. If you're working like a, a uh, let's say, a, a, I don't want to go too in-depth, but like right. if you're working a wire or you're working anything, you need a good bit of people because things can go bad in a heartbeat. Um, and we've, we've seen them go back. Will you, will you tell us what a wire is? Because I've heard of the show. People yeah. love the show. A wire is just where, um, and that's one of the things, um, I don't want to go real in depth, but I will talk sure, about it a absolutely. little bit because it's out there, um, is uh, we try to uh, target, I told you, organizations. That's right. Mm -hmm. What's the easiest way to target an organization? Their, their communications network. And what does everybody that you know got? A cell um, phone. They got a cell phone. Right. And so if, uh, and you know, for example, if you're like in my business and you're able to get up on like one of the main perpetrators phones, like if you got somebody here, that's like, let's, let's say he's doing a couple of kilos at a time. Mm -hmm. Well, you get not, you're going to get up on him, but you're also going to be listening to the people that he's dealing to here. Yep. You're also going to be d dealing with the people that help him to get his drugs. They're going to have mm -hmm. like couriers mm -hmm. and right. people that are running stash houses, people that might even be cooking for him if he's selling right. crack, um, different things like that. And then you also, um, you're targeting the bad guys that mm -hmm. they're getting it from, mm -hmm. the sources and things like that. So when you do that, again, it's a heck of a lot more impact for me to come in and take out 10, 20, 30 people at one time than to just take out one person at a time. Right get a bigger bang for the buck. Now, before we kind of take this to the next step, I, I'm going to ask you a question that you are free to not answer. I just yeah. want to say that before <laughs> I ask the question. Are there any stings that you've done in Augusta that were like particularly newsworthy that you remember that you that you could talk about? Oh, there's been a lot of uh, probably the um, some of the uh, ones that stand out was I did a case on a guy named Bobby Snail. And I did, I uh, prosecuted him. I say I prosecuted him, we prosecuted right. him together, um, the, the U.S. Attorney's Office mm -hmm. and uh, the, uh, my partners, that we prosecuted for operating a continuing criminal enterprise, which is a, the drug kingpin statute. Got it. And um, he was operating over in Nicole's Cove over there in Columbia County. And the reason that I was so fascinated with, with him is that most of the people I wind up investigating, I've heard about him for some time. Mm -hmm. He was one, he was kind of like a ghost up until I got on, uh, I say I, but we got up on him. Right. Mm -hmm. um, we started getting on to him. You know, it was, 
one of those things where um, he was like a really big, I didn't realize what a big dealer he was, um, but mm-hmm. he was getting like, you know, probably a, a thousand or 2000 pounds of weed a month. And he was bringing in about um, five to 10 uh, kilos a month of cocaine. And he was bringing in multi pounds of meth every, every month, as well as pills. And, um, and he was a, you know, a kind of the largest poly drug dealer that I dealt with. And, it, um, and we didn't, and it was funny because we really did, we started as a historical case and we were able to make it into a, a really good case. Wow. And, um, and like I said, the, and what I really enjoyed about that particular case and other cases too, is that, um, that's part of the job where you realize that like working together as a team, um, that if you hadn't worked together as a team and you didn't have the collective knowledge and kind of the skill set to do this, that you wouldn't have done it. It's sort of like, it's almost like if you look at, and I always use the analogy, you look at like uh, Michael Jordan when he's in a basketball game, he's like mm-hmm. in flow. And it wasn't very often, but every once in a while you'd be working a case where you say, you know what, everybody couldn't have done that, you know, right. or would have done that or would have taken the steps to do that. Right. You realize you did something good. And, and that always, you know, um, motivates you to even want to do better the next time. Gotcha. Right. Stick around. We'll be back to talk about Augusta, including some crime stats, information, and things to come with Deputy Chief Patrick Clayton. This is the Drop the Disc podcast. I don't know about you out there, but whenever it gets warm, whenever I'm starting to think about going kayaking, when that time of the year comes around, the time that we're in right now, I always want to have a nice beer. Sometimes the beer is light, but most of the times, I want a nice local craft beer. The best place to go is Savannah River Brewing Company. Their tap room is incredible. They've got games there to play. They've got a back porch to sit on to enjoy the weather. And the best part, they've got incredible beer. Check them out, Savannah River Brewing Company. So let's let's talk about Augusta. Let's do it. How long have you been here in Augusta? Permanently, yes. that is. Uh, yeah. Permanently, I moved up here at the end of uh, 94. 94, so you've been here since. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. And did I catch you say that you have retired mm-hmm. and you're moved on? To, okay, so when, wh- how long were you in Augusta before you retired? Um, I retired in uh, 2010. Okay. And, um, and that's when you ran for office, or that's kind of what led you to start thinking about running for office? Well, I'm not running... Um, you know, the sheriff is one that I'll tell you that story because yeah. okay. <laughs> I, I worked in DEA up until April the 1st of uh, uh, 2010. And what happened was when I was coming up about nine months out, the Board of Education police chief job opened up. Mm-hmm. And I put in for the job fully expecting that I probably wasn't going to get it. Um, but I put in for it and the sheriff put in for it too. I think they had like 27 people put in for it. They narrowed it down. They interviewed seven of the people. Then they narrowed it down to four. And then they sent the sheriff and me to the, the superintendent. And so whenever uh, we were, me and the sheriff were both, cause we kind of knew each other. We had known each other. Who was years. the sheriff at the time? Um, Ronnie Strength okay. was the sheriff. Okay. The, the sheriff worked over it. The present sheriff worked over at Richmond County Sheriff's Office. Okay. Um, and so that's Roundtree he worked yeah, over there. Okay. And so the um, very last question that we both got during that when we interviewed with the superintendent was, um, you do know who else is being interviewed today? And I knew it was down to me and him. I said, yeah, I know. Um, I know Tree. And he goes, uh, Tree? He says, uh, 
He said, you mean Richard? I said, yeah, but we all call him Trey. Mm-hmm. And, I'm, and I'm, he goes, well, why are you over him? And I said, well, I said, Dr. Bed, and I said, I can't say anything bad about, um, you know, uh, Richard. I said, um, I said, he or I would do you a really good job. I said, all I can do is tell you what I bring to the table. And so about a week later, they called me up. It was at lunchtime. And, in fact, the funny thing was is the Colonel Partain was a lieutenant then, and they were at SWAT practice, him mm-hmm. and the sheriff. And the, um, so they, uh, the superintendent called me up and offered me the job. And he said, well, hey, do you think you could use um, – he said, whenever I gave you all a chance to dump on each other, he said, <laughs> you know, I found that you all had, like, admiration for each other. I said, yeah. I said, we've always had – I think we both have high regard for each other. He goes, well, do you think you could use them on your team? You have a position there open. I said, absolutely. And so he came over as a lieutenant – of operations with me and um, worked with me for about uh, three years and did a, a really good job of uh, establishing a, uh, um, we had just started all the cameras in the schools mm-hmm. and we were getting torn up. Um, we, had a, we had about 750,000 in losses where they torched the ROTC building. They were breaking into all the, they were st- you know ruining these um, expensive air conditioning right. units for a lot of uh, copper and they were parts and stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the sheriff really with the cameras and then he started doing all these investigations and our losses went from 750,000 down to uh, less than 60,000 the next year. Wow. And, um, and did a lot of uh, good stuff while we were there. Um, and then uh, he ran for sheriff and then uh, he, he asked me to come over and be his uh, chief deputy. And he, um, that's awesome. Wow. Yeah. He, but he always um, reminds me that he said, um, tells me, you know, you are a, a horrible boss. I, said, well, I, I must have not been that bad if, if you asked me to come over and be with you. And, um, but he always, you know, tongue in cheek. Um. <laughs> now, um, one thing we haven't talked about is 30, 31 years is when you moved here in 1994. How, how, did you find Augusta when you moved here? I mean, you'd lived in all these different places, a lot of military bases though, obviously. And, uh, you know, what did you think of the city when you moved here? Um, I thought, I think, um, um, Augusta is kind of a, if you look at it, like compared to, uh, Charleston, um, uh, Greenville, South Carolina, mm-hmm. we have so much potential here. Um, and we do have a lot of great things going on in the city. I think uh, the biggest thing is we just got to focus on what we're trying to do and, and try to all get there together. And I think you guys maybe have a, pl- a part to play in that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Because, you know, one of the things that we have to combat, and this is going to be for any kind of urbanized city, right? is we got to combat um, because it's no secret. Um, one of the things I think I bring to the Richmond County Sheriff's Office that's different from people that have been here, I policed in Albuquerque. Mm-hmm. I policed in Savannah. I policed in St. Louis. I policed in Goldsboro, North Carolina. I've been back in Charleston policing. Pretty much all bigger urban centers than yeah. here. And what I'll tell you, if you go to, all I got to do is if you want to go to any city, you and I can go and we can go visit any city and I can take you to where all the high crime areas are at. Mm-hmm. All I got to do is ask the people, where are all the poor areas? Because mm-hmm. that's where the high crime areas are going right. to be. And unfortunately, um, that's what usually happens is that the uh, criminals tend to prey on the weakest people, the people right. that don't have the resources and things like that. And that's part of our job is to protect these people from um, predators. 
Would you say that the crime rate from when you moved here permanently in Augusta until now, has it increased, stayed the same, gone down? And I'm, I mean specifically in the downtown area. It could be all the way to east side. You know, it could just, has it stayed the same or gone down? Because our, we have people that listen to this show and have stepped foot down in a downtown Augusta in probably 15 years because they believe it's still unsafe. Yes, and, um, and I will, um, I'll just tell you what the facts are. Let's do um, it. And um, I appreciate because, that you brought a sheet yes, too. too. Yeah, he's been and ready. I, I've got the uh, the crime stats here, for example. Perfect. Okay. And um and I'll and I've got what I use as our base year is 2012 because we okay. came in January the first of 2013. Okay. And like if you look at this, and when you say we, that's kind of the current regime. Yeah. The, okay. uh, the sheriff and I and the okay. colonel. Yeah. When we came in, these are what the crimes the 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 numbers were. Mm-hmm. And I will tell you that uh, unlike some of the other places I know of, we use the true crime numbers. Mm-hmm. I mean, a what good, does that mean? Well, that means I'll give you an example. Like uh, our number one part one crime is going to be um, entering autos. And I will tell you where you find in some uh, areas is that let's say you have ten um, car break-ins in a month uh, t- tonight. Right. Where you, um, for example, you, and they'll go around, they'll open doors, sometimes they'll bust windows or whatever, and they'll take either change, if you leave a computer or anything, you know, anything mm-hmm. expensive or a gun, Been there. they're going to steal it. And so there'll be 10 of them. Well, they might have only gotten stuff out of two of the cars, but they went through and rummaged through the other cars, and some places will actually, they'll report that the, the, the two cars that you had actual stuff taken, mm-hmm. they'll be entering autos, which are felonies. Mm-hmm. And they go on your part one crimes. Gotcha. Well, they won't report the other ones mm-hmm. where the cars were rummaged through. And what the law says is like entering auto is where you go into a car with the intent to commit a felony or a theft therein. If you rummage through the car, what are you trying to do? Right. Find something to steal, right? Mm-hmm. And so um, and um, so what I will, will tell you is these are true crime numbers. And if you look at it, and I'll give them to you. This is actually something I got at the end of the year. And, and you have a third chance, third less chance of being a victim of a violent crime in Augusta today than you had um, in almost 10, going on 10 years ago wow. when we came in. As far as property crime, this is where it's really telling. And these are going to be like the, uh, the burglaries, the larceny of auto and, and, uh, and the entering autos. You have a, a, almost a half less chance of being a victim. Now, you've got to remember now, we're not going to have the same kind of numbers. Like in this area, for example, like when they try to compare us to, like, you know, Burke County. Right. Or the Columbia County or North Augusta. Right. First, there's a couple of things going on here. One thing that's very disingenuous because this, let's just look. I told you where crimes tends to um, be the highest. Right. In poor areas. Right. Our median income here is about $43,000 a year for a family income. In Columbia County, it's all, twice that. Right. It's in the 80s, the high mm-hmm. 80s. And so um, same thing when you go over like into Burke County. And you also have to factor in like Burke County, for example, like the sheriff over there. He doesn't have to, cl- he doesn't claim Waynesboro. Mm. And that's going to be his poorest area. So he only claims the crimes that occur outside the city. He lets the city take care of the crimes that are in the in the city and he doesn't doesn't really concern himself with that. And the point I'm getting at right. is that we have to, we're a consolidated agency. That's yes. right. We, yeah, got we, the whole, we got the whole county. And, and so what I'm telling you is that when people talk about that, 
it makes like if you listen to some of the pundits like over in you know Columbia County, you know like Richmond County is like everybody over here is like the Antichrist or something like right. that. <laughs> yeah, and um and and you know Augusta's terrible, mm-hmm. but the the fact of the matter is there's a lot of uh, uh, there's things we could do better, absolutely, and we want to make it where there's zero crime here. Yeah. Right. Um, but the fact of the matter is we're we're in a better place than we were. You know, can I take a picture of this? Absolutely. So, with this, this, um, the different types of crimes, they're violent versus property. What do you think you guys have done that has led to this decrease? Well, I think for one thing that we did is when we first came in, there was a, there's, and it was a system that had been used for many years around the United States. It was, it's called Comstat. And it was uh, Bill Bratton. The New York police commissioner actually came out with it in his compare stats. And what he started doing and what we started doing too is that instead of just being totally reactive, we said, hey, we, we got to be less in the reactive mode. We got to be more in the proactive mode. And we have to start trying to solve these different issues and problems we have. Um, and because like in New York City, before Bill Bratton came in, mm-hmm. they'd have like 3,000 homicides a year. When he left there, he'd got it down to... Um, around a se- little over 700, 700, 800 homicides, which right. is still a lot of homicides, but right. it's like 70% City. less though. Yeah. Yes. It's a heck of a reduction. And the point I'm getting at is we started doing that. We started doing more in- Intel led policing. Uh, we have an intelligence unit that we uh, wound up making uh, primarily civilians. And, um, and they really have helped us, especially with all of our data and things like that. Like one of the things that we're doing right now it's called hotspots policing, and we've been doing it on or off, but we we're getting really back in onto it and focusing now, and we're kind of buttressing it with technology as well. But what we ident- do is we identify about twenty five hotspots areas throughout the um, throughout the county that we know are are prone for violence. That's mm. really where we're trying to focus. And that's only if you look at our numbers. Because I see the violence, yeah, the that's where assault we, is the only yeah. thing that's up. The aggravated assaults with guns, they have continued to plague us. Mm-hmm. Um, the homicides have been up and down. Um, but the point I'm getting at is um, we're doing this hot spots policing because we kind of know when and where a lot of our shootings occur, for example. Right. We try to put that, make sure we get the deputies in those areas when and where they might occur to prevent them from occurring. Right. And we also, like I told you, we're um, utilizing technology more on those areas. Mm-hmm. And the other thing that we're always all, we're also doing, and you're probably you're seeing the direct results of it right now, because we've had a little lull, you know, knock on wood, mm. um, and hopefully I won't jinx us, is <laughs> uh, with some of the shootings we've had a we had a couple last week. Yeah, on Washington Road, uh, we had that one on Washington Road, but um, but it slowed down. Mm-hmm. And part of what I believe that's from. And the sheriff alluded to it when we did that big drug bust in March. Right. Is, you know, the people that you don't catch, they're all crap in water right now because they're worried, thinking they're the next. And the sheriff, he told them. Yeah. Um, and um, we got some other things going on that are going to make that operation look like a tadpole. Um, right. That uh, we'll unveil soon. And if you're a gangbanger or a, a, a drug distributor, I would tell you to worry mm-hmm. um, because uh, we're coming for you. And that's one of the things we got to do too is we got to put these people on the run. 
with our consolidated system that we have, how big is our county slash Augusta? Like, I mean, comparatively speaking to Columbia County or, I mean, we know Burke County is not as big, but Waynesboro mm. added in there is pretty large. So, yes. Um, well, I will tell you that, uh, like our county, we're about, um, give or take about 200,000 people, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Columbia County is going to probably be somewhere in the neighborhood neighborhood of 150. Okay. Um, 150,000. Like I told you, the big difference is, is the, the wealth. Right. Um, more the, I live in Columbia County. Right. You know, and sent my kids to Columbia County schools mm-hmm. and, and things like that. Um, but the, uh, those are kind of, and like Burke County is one of the largest land counties, but population wise, right. it's probably 22,000. Mm-hmm. And like I told you with Burke County, your poorest areas are going to be in the city. Mm-hmm. Um, so like I told you, when you try to compare us, where you really got to compare us. And that's one of the things the sheriff and I do is we try to benchmark with other like size cities in Georgia, for mm-hmm. example. I'll give you a good example would be uh, Bibb Macon County. Okay. Like when you compare 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 them to us. Well, like last year, for example, on homicides, we had thirty two or thirty three. Um, they had fifty five. Their population's fifty thousand less than us. They have one hundred and fifty thousand people. Right. Muskogee, uh, uh, Columbus, Muskogee County. Mm-hmm. Um, like in that county, they had over seventy homicides. For example. Okay. Wow. And so, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying we want to make this number zero. Right. Um, any homicides is one too many. Right. Um, but we also have to be realistic with what we're trying to do and trying to, and again, so when you hear people talk so bad about Augusta, you know, and things like that, you have to say, well, these are the facts. Right. The facts are we're doing a lot better than a lot of the other cities mm-hmm. that you're talking about. We'll be back with more of Deputy Chief Patrick Clayton on the Drop the Disc podcast after this quick message from Dirty Girl Cocktail Mixers. Chris talked in the first break about the great weather, kayaking, being outdoors, and all of that really works well with Savannah River Brewing Company. And now we have a fantastic local partner for your spring and summer and even early fall golf games, and that's gonna be the Dirty Girl Cocktail Mixers. They have these fantastic ready-to-drink mixed drink cocktails like the Transfusion and the Vodkarita and even a Bloody Mary. They're all fantastic. If you wanna learn more about their background, we just recorded an episode with them about a month ago. So next time you're looking for refreshing, ready-to-drink, already mixed cocktail in a can, we highly recommend give Dirty Girl Mixers a try. And you can find them in Kroger, as well as some liquor stores around the area. So I have a two-part question. Sure. Um, it's about the, the changing face of downtown. So the first part of it is, with all these new apartment complexes that are kind of luxury living being put up in downtown, which I would guess is, if not peripheral, probably in or touching a hot spot, mm-hmm. how does that change how you guys operate, or does it? Like, well, what do you have to do to be prepared for all that, I guess? Well, first of all, if people are going to invest like that, and this is where we, um, you do find, and, and I really try to concentrate, especially on areas that are where it, it buttresses up on uh, kind of low-income areas, like the, the downtown area, for example. That's right, yeah. Some of the areas buttress up to like East Boundary. Like the East, yeah. Mm-hmm. And some of them, like downtown, they buttress up to some of the other areas there. And so you have to uh, reassure the people that you're going to uh, keep them as pr- protected as much. What I will tell you is that if we continue 
And the big thing is if you continue to develop the downtown area, what it does, and it's I hate to use that word because I want to stay away from it, is you want to get more affluence in the area. Mm-hmm. Um, but you have to figure out a way to still be able to make sure that the the poorer people aren't kind of victimized by it. Right. And um, and so it's a kind of a balancing act of we've got to, um, you know, have good police protection for everybody. Mm-hmm. But you especially have to focus on those areas because if they're investing, they're expecting that they're going to have uh, lower crime and things like that. Mm-hmm. And that's why we, um, like I told you, when you start doing the hot spots policing, when you start mm-hmm. investigating the organizations and you put the gangbangers and the drug distributors on the run, um, that can have more of a positive effect on ameliorating a lot of the crime. So it's like a lot of kind of analytics, like being in the right place at the right time mm-hmm. and, and kind of being ahead of the game. Yes, absolutely. we got to be more proactive. You just can't uh, the old thing of just sitting in the car waiting for the, mm-hmm. the radio to go off. You can't do that. You got to right. get out there and you got to, uh, you got to disrupt and uh, dismantle, you know, organizations and yeah. uh, criminals. So the part two to the question is, you know, there's all this investment on the residential side of downtown. There's also a lot of investment on the commercial side. Lamar building just got purchased. Um, there's a lot of talk about all these mixed developments happening, whether the, you know, some of them do, some of them don't, but they're working on it. Mm-hmm. It's definitely something that's happening. So that is mixed with this perception from a lot of areas that downtown isn't isn't safe, right? So mm-hmm. what do people and or you guys have to do to change that perception, whether or not it's the reality, the perception, though? Um, oh, uh, the things I just told you about, uh, one of the things I think is going to be a real game changer downtown. Mm-hmm. Is um and it's not enough money to do exactly what I want, but it's enough to get us at least started and plant the seeds. Is we uh, they gave us um, in this plus the last plus package they gave us five hundred thousand dollars to start a downtown camera program, and um, we think okay. that'll be a real game changer. This is news. This is yeah. news to me. Yeah. Yes. Uh, one of the things that the sheriff and I, when we went over to the board of education, is we got a cops technology grant. And remember when I told you we caught mm-hmm. all those people. We caught them with cameras. Yeah. And so that's how we were able to really st- start catching a lot of these criminals. And don't get me wrong. They'll do things like they'll try to defeat you by, you know, going up close and wearing a, like a hoodie or whatever. Right. But eventually they're going to take that off. And if you've got a downtown camera, the point I'm getting at is they're not going to be able to evade it in the future. Would these be posted up on the streetlights? Would it be on buildings, certain buildings? Would it be pointed at the hot spots? Absolutely. It'll yeah. be all over the place. And, um, and so, the, um, and another um, thing that we have capabilities of doing is we find that a lot of the um, people that are committing crimes aren't even from Augusta. Mm. And they're coming here to commit crimes. And frequently what they're doing is they're going and they're stealing cars to come here to do their crimes, to do robberies or break-ins, you know, burglaries. Or, so if you can get the stolen cars. Yeah. yeah. And one of the things we have, and I won't go a lot into it, but <laughs> we have the technology that tells us, when it reads a tag, it yep. tells us it's a stolen car. Yeah. yeah. And once we get onto them, uh, you know, frequently we catch people all over the country. They're catching people that are have just committed crimes or they're in the process of committing crimes. Wow. And so it's a, it'll be a real game changer. So then with that camera program now, I'm going to ask the, the devil's advocate question, which is how do you balance 
what you guys are doing, which is keeping people safe with people's personal freedoms and, and you know, the freedom to not be monitored maybe 24-7. Yes, and, um, and one of the things that we're working through, Axum, um, that do the body cameras, and we're mm-hmm. working through Flock, mm-hmm. as they actually have a board um, that they have, and they're, um, like, uh, where they're doing, like, a study on this, too, because mm-hmm. we want to balance that. Right. But I will tell you that most of what we do it's going to be in public areas. Mm-hmm. You know, for example, we have... Like a, the commons. Yes. We have a couple of drones that mm-hmm. we use as well. Uh, well. And, and w- you know, what I'll tell you is uh, where you r- would run into problems. If we had a drone and we were going around the hotels and looking in people's you right. know, rooms and stuff like that. Yep. But if you're in a public venue, we have that right. And, right. and in fact, we not even have that right. We have a duty. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, we used uh, drones last... The last time we had a Fourth of July celebration mm-hmm. um, to monitor the the crowds and all that, so we could see if anything was emanating right. real quickly. And, and and like I told you, it's one of those things where it's not only do we have a right to do it, we got a duty right. to do it. We got to try to protect the people because, as you know, we had a incident mm-hmm. there about five years ago. Yeah, right on the on the river. So every time uh, something like that comes up, we try to do better and try to figure out ways to make people safer. I, I got a question, and I don't like to be negative on this show, mm-hmm. but I it's something that people need to be educated on, um, panhandling. It's something that hap- – it's actually grown a lot on the on the exits. We Bobby just Jones did an episode, exit. yeah, with yeah, the yeah, we, commissioners. Yeah, we did with Sean Franham. He said he's gonna he's really battling the homelessness, what's mm-hmm. going on in his district. But yeah, we he says see the it. number one issue. Yeah, mm-hmm. but we see it down here, which is sometimes it's correlated with being unsafe especially when not every street down here is lit up and you're walking and someone asks for money and it starts Mm -hmm. a conversation. Um, But I've learned that panhandling, it's actually illegal to do this, but I don't know if that's a hundred percent true. If you could enlighten us on that, how to handle that kind of situation when it happens. Um, Well, first of all, what I would tell the citizens is first of all, um, most of the, I will tell you that, and I can't tell you a hundred percent, but most panhandlers are not violent. Mm-hmm. So most of the time you say, I'm, no, I'm not interested. I'm not getting involved in this. Because I will tell you, one of the first ways to extinguish this, I believe, is uh, don't give the people money. Mm-hmm. Um, don't, because we literally have professional panhandlers that go out to these, um, some of them, they drove there in a car and they walked over there. And, we, and, and we've had cases where our deputies have wound up finding like four or $500 in their pockets. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then they go home to the where they live. Um, so you got gotcha. the people that are opposing as panhandlers, and you got the panhandlers. Well, like here in town, they have so many resources they can have to be able to get a, um, get food and to even to get places to stay. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will tell you that um, one of the first things that I would encourage the citizens don't don't give them money because when you do that, it just it's a it's it's that old do- dopamine when you give them the money. They get a surge of, um, you know, uh, dopamine, and they go do it to somebody else. Mm-hmm. So it just reinforces that. Um, but, and that is a vexing issue. And I've been working, uh, you know, with, uh, you know, with uh, Commissioner Johnson and some of the other people now for about five years. Right. And one of the bad things that we've we've had going on is that um, this has become becoming known as kind of a, a venue for homeless people. Um, mm. We know that we've had people that have taken the trains here 
you know, where they hopped the trains and then got off here to do that. I had a, a lieutenant from a sheriff's office um, down, uh, down south about 75 miles away where they called me up. And the lieutenant said, um, hey, uh, chief, um, can you have one of your deputies meet us at the Burke County, Richmond County line? I said, okay. Well, I said, what you need? And they go, we have somebody that's um, leaving here and they're homeless and they say they want to go to Augusta. I said, do they live here? And she goes, no, they said it's a good city for, I said, I said, um, Lieutenant, I said, I'm not sending a deputy and don't you bring them down here, yeah. here in Mondo. Um, and, uh, this oh, is, I wonder how that word's gotten out over the years. I mean, it's got a, the past 10 years, it's only increased. Yes. And, um, like I told you, it's, um, one of those things that where the sheriff and I both look at it, um, you know, you want to be compassionate on one right. side because all these people, there before the grace of God, that's mm-hmm. your, that's your mama, your daddy, your right. brother, your sister, your best friend. You know these are all people that have loved ones. Right. And so there's a compassionate side of you, but there's also the practical side of you that realizes, yes, that does. Because uh, I will tell you, I don't think that the majority of them are violent. What they do, we do know, is we do know in the past we have encountered some of them that are doing the car break-ins and the burglaries, mm-hmm. and so. Um, but again, I would tell people, well, like when you come downtown, um, don't reward the uh, panhandlers. Okay. Yeah. And and one thing you mentioned was, and one thing that's been mentioned in the commission is uh, adding lighting to downtown. Is that something that you feel is important? Yes. Um, you know, targeted because there's some areas that you don't need mm-hmm. the lighting. And, um, you know, it's a, but anytime I think anytime you increase the lighting, that's always better. Um, everywhere, but uh, I also know that um, what, and this is the other thing that uh, people don't realize um, about this area that we live in, like in Augusta, is we really have we don't have a as big a middle class as other counties. Right. We have the very affluent, we have the very poor. Mm-hmm. So like our tax base, we don't have we are we're a poor county. Yeah. Right. Um, we're a very poor county. When you rank us, we're probably about midway down of all the counties when, you know, it's funny, I go all over the country sometimes and, you know, everybody thinks of, oh, y'all got a lot of money and all that with the Augusta National and all that. And that, you know, and you have to tell them the reality, that's not the way it is. We have a lot of poor areas too. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, the one thing I would, and I want to kind of, I don't want to go off on a tangent, but it's an experience I did have. They had a police chief when I got out of the Air Force and I went to Charleston County Police. His name was uh, Reuben Greenberg. And Reuben was a, um, he was a, uh, he was African-American and he was Jewish. And um, he used to do weird things like um, he'd be down at lunchtime roller skating around the city in a uniform with shorts on. <laughs> um, and he just it's would like do. Reno 911. Yeah. He, <laughs> he would do those kind of things. But this is a guy, he was brilliant. And I remember I went and saw him give a talk. It was in 1985. And he'd only been the chief of Charleston a brief period of time. But the point I'm getting at is, and this is kind of vision that we need here or to really get us to where we want. Because mm-hmm. I look back on it, I thought he was crazy. I went to the speech and he was saying, he said, this is what we're going to do, people. He said, I'm going to make, um, you know, Charleston City Police um, over the next, um, you know, 10 to 15 years. It's going to be the most educated police force we got, the highest paid. Um, we're going to have the best equipment. Um, he said that um, what we're going to do is all these low income areas that we have here. 
we're going to bring in all this HUD housing like they're doing up on Lanny Walker. Mm-hmm. He said, we're going to let them, the, the poor people will initially get them. And then what they'll do after three years, because they can sell them after three years, they'll sell them. He said, and what it's going to do is going to push up the prices and you won't even be able to touch a house down here. And then you got to remember this is in 85. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and he said, and what we're going to do is we're going to push all those projects out um, to other areas. And he said, what's going to happen is uh, we're going to increase the tax base here. And, this, and we're going to make Charleston the premier tourist destination in the world. Now, he said United States, but he was wrong because he lied because <laughs> it's a premier destination, one of the premier yeah. tourist destinations in the world. Right. But I remember I went home to my dad, who was a police captain at the time for another city. And he goes, what do you think of Ruben? And my dad really liked him. I said, I thought he was crazy as hell. And I said, there ain't none of that stuff he's ever saying going to um, gonna happen. But him and Dick Riley, who was the mayor at the time, mm. they worked together and they had a vision and they got it done. Mm-hmm. And so the, the point I'm getting at is if we could we could do that and we could get more of a vision of where we're going, um, we can just be so much better. Right. Um, and, you know, and and like I said, um, I was amazed. And it was funny because, like I told you at the time, I thought he was crazy. But, like, looking back on it, <laughs> right? he you know, he retired in 2011, yeah. and he did everything he said he was going to do. A it's lot crazy. of people say the biggest difference between Augusta and Charleston is the strong mayor versus the weak mayor mm-hmm. system. Yeah. But we don't have to get into politics. Yeah. yeah. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back to finish off our conversation and drop the disc with Deputy Chief Patrick Clayton from the Richmond County Sheriff's Office. But first, I want to tell you guys more about Augusta Hemp Company. Now, hemp is a really big category right now. We're talking about THC, Delta 8, CBD. We're talking about medicinal things, recreational sides. And all of these things are researched, and there's a lot of background done into them about how they're helping people. And Dr. Milhouse, the founder of Augusta Hemp Company, is one of the primary researchers and chemists in Georgia working with these formulas. If you want to learn exactly what you need in this great category, just remember that Augusta Hemp Company has you covered for Delta 8, THC, and CBD in the AUG. I have one more question, and then Go I think I'm done. Yeah. And my last question is very broad. So you live in Columbia County. Mm-hmm. You admitted to it. Yes. Uh, <laughs> you, you live in Columbia County. You work downtown, or really all over Augusta. Yeah. What is a message you would have to people in Columbia County that are nervous to go downtown? Well, I would just tell them that, um, you know, it makes for good radio and the news to try to trash Augusta. But again, if you just look at what the numbers are, they Mm -hmm. have a third less less chance of being a victim of a violent crime. And they have a half a chance of being less chance of being, you know, uh, involved in a property crime. And that uh, there's a lot of good things going down here. And, you know, and um, I think that we've got a good record of working with the community and we are uh, coming together more and more, I think, as the years uh, come on. And I think that you're going to continue to see a crime drop here in Richmond County. And it's a great place to come and enjoy a lot of the activities they have going on all over the county, not just downtown. There's always something going on in Augusta and we have a lot to offer. Mm hmm. Well, and, and I hate to have a part two, but I actually, I, there's something I have to ask because if we're going to post these stats, I have to ask about the, the 101% increase change from 2012 to 2021. That's aggravated assault with guns. Yes. Can you tell us about that? Yes, that's, that's one of the things that we have struggled with because um, um, I will just tell you, 
Um, we have a, a gun violence uh, culture, um, but I do think even there that we're um, are you going to see it get better. Um, like I told you, especially with some of the things I've talked about that we're mm-hmm. doing, and uh, some of the things going on, and um, I think it'll it's going to improve immensely. Um, but that is, uh, you know, that is something we continue to struggle. Do you it's know? Just, do you know why? Um, like I told you, I, I um, you know, especially the last couple of years with COVID and some of the things going on in the country and all the unrest ac- across the country, mm-hmm. you've seen more of a surge. Um, especially in urban cities, mm-hmm. um, you've seen more uh, more of an increase in violence. But I think that um, over time, that's going to subside because I think um, uh, I think really the people are, are just getting fed up with it, and um, that you will see again. Uh, you will be uh, you will see it. Um, we're, we're just going to have to really be stricter. Well, thanks for answering those hard questions. Yeah. Uh, I appreciate this, that. This last mm-hmm. question is going to be nothing as hard as uh, <laughs> what David's been giving uh, giving you, but uh, but very good questions. And I was a political science major, so <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm tuned to this. <laughs> okay. We ask every guest on the show um, the drop the disc question, mm-hmm. and it's if someone were to walk up to you and talk negatively about the city of Augusta or Richmond County, uh, what would your response be to them? The Drop the Disc question is presented by our friends at Tranner Gray Media. Here at Tranner Gray Media, we are a full-service, award-winning marketing agency specializing in video production based right here in Augusta. We have experience at both the local and national level, partnering with businesses to bring their message to the forefront. Whether you need video, graphic design, digital or traditional advertising, web work, or creative services, we exist to help you tell your story. I would say, um, well, just... Look at what all Augusta has to offer. Um, it's got a super large educational um, system with the colleges and the, some of the top schools in the state here. And, and look at all the, the medical systems. Look at the large amount of medical systems that we have here. And just look at the, um, all the good things that we have going on. You know, we just had one of them this last week. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, uh, the Augusta national is here and we have the masters um but there's a whole lot of things like i said i uh, compare this to um, charleston i compare this to uh, what i see going on like in greenville Mm -hmm. we have a lot of potential here um, but it just has to be developed and we have to get a better more uh more um, clear and fluid um, path of where we're going in the future i think um and you'll and you'll really see augusta soar at that point okay Chief Deputy Patrick Clayton, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. Well, thanks for having me, and I appreciate y'all letting me be here today. Absolutely. And and I want you guys at home to know we gave him the option to not answer some of these questions, and he answered all of them. So thank you so much. (laughs) And thank you again for tuning in to this episode of the Drop the Disc Podcast. We really appreciate you taking the time. We will be back next week with the founder of Watanut. So if you've ever seen that food truck or if you've heard about this cool local brand, Watanut will be coming to you from the Augusta Podcast Studio next week on Sunday. So keep your ears out for that. And again, if you enjoyed today's episode, please leave us a rating or review. We really appreciate it. Connect with us on social media at Drop the Disc Pod, as well as if you have somebody that maybe should come on the show, if you have some feedback or some cool local news for the Around Augusta segment that we do, email us at dropthediscpod at gmail.com. 
Thank you and enjoy your week. It's just another day on the road to be great. Got a list full of goals and so much on my plate. Another episode of my life to the date, yeah. And I'ma do it all with a smile on my face. In the land of the free, yeah, the home of the brave. The only way you grow is if you learn from mistakes. And never stop the hustle, gotta keep up the pace. I ain't got time to waste, I got moves I'ma make, yeah. It doesn't matter what the topic is. We gon' talk about it on Drop the Disc. We can dive in on city politics Or I can brag about my accomplishments If you hating on the city, it is not a fin Problem is that you're probably lacking common sense Augusta got so much talent that'll make it big And you gon' see in here first, don't drop the disc Ay. Learn a lot about the 706 About to chop it up with David and Chris A lot of interviews you would hate to miss AUG in the mix, just drop the disc uh. Learn a lot about the 706 to chop it up with David and Chris A lot of interviews you would hate to miss AG in the mix, just drop the disc Just drop the disc Better drop the disc <laughs> Gotta drop the disc Drop the disc